0: Thanks for listening to the Oasis City Church Podcast. We're located in Boise, Idaho, but wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you and empowers you to take a step towards living a life fully devoted to following Jesus. Come on, who's happy to be in church? I know I am. Come on, was worship just like killer today or was that just me? My gosh, come on. I love getting to worship with you guys. It's such an honor. Hey, if we've not met yet, my name is Landon Haregrove. I'm the lead pastor here at Oasis City. Um, It's such an honor to have you guys in the room with us. We're in a series called Till Boise Looks Like Heaven. We're in week four, okay? This is the final message in the series. And we've been talking talking values. Uh, I'm gonna drop the mic down a little bit, just right here. Uh, We've been talking values. And we've been chatting about vision and we've been talking about just what God is, is doing in our church and what we see for the future, for the fall. And come on, it's been so much fun. Uh, this week, we're gonna end on one of our values. So after, after all the messages, we're gonna kind of end and, and sum up with, with one specific value that I'm gonna talk about. It's out of John's gospel. We're, we're gonna go to John chapter four. We're gonna be there in just a moment. We're gonna launch off a couple of verses and look at this question of what do we value as a church? What's one of our primary values? as a church. So go to John chapter four with me. Uh, this is right after Jesus encounters uh, the woman at the well uh, and, and, and experiencing this living water, right? This is uh, right after that story where the disciples are, are, are concerned about Jesus's physical state. And so they're going to ask him a question in just a moment. John chapter four, verse 31 through 34. While you're, while you're turning there in your Bibles, I just want to celebrate. Y'all, we had 29 baptisms last week. Come on. Isn't that awesome? 29 baptisms, 29 lives changed, and I cannot wait to see what God continues to do through the fall. Hey, listen, if you're still coming in and making room, we're making room for you, okay? We're gonna talk about that later too. Uh, But John chapter 4, 31 through 34, go there with me. It says this, somebody say, "Meanwhile." meanwhile. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. Verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Would you pray with me this morning, church? Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it changes us from the inside out. God, I pray that this morning, whatever is of me would fall away. Whatever is born of your spirit, God, would encourage us, would sharpen us, would resonate in our hearts, our minds, our souls, and would not just go in one ear and out another, God. We ask that you would change us from the inside out by the power of your word. Lord, as we lean in together, as we conclude this series, God, we just just stay committed to the mission. Our hearts are just committed, God, till Boise looks like heaven. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 So Jesus is basically saying here, he's like, hey, I have a food to eat that you don't know anything about. You, you, you don't know about the food that I have. My nourishment, my, my, my food is something else. When everyone's talking about fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me, Jesus, on the other hand, is, is like, hey, I actually have a food that you don't know about that is what fills me is actually filling others. What nourishes me is actually nourishing others. It's doing the will of God who sent me. And he, so he, he, he alludes to this idea, what nourishes me is to pour out my life so that others would experience God and finish the task that he's been sent to do. I have a food you know nothing about. And what's interesting to me is the disciples, they're, they're always concerned about consumption. Like if we look throughout the Gospels, what you'll find again and again is the disciples are oftentimes worried about, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to sleep? Where are we going to stay? And it's always this kind of a self-focused attitude. And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. Don't even bring an extra cloak. Hey, don't worry about it. Listen, he's always pointing to the idea that, hey, your needs are going to be taken care of. It's not about your needs. And so Jesus here, he's saying, hey, we have a food that other people don't know anything about. I I have a food that you don't know about. And these disciples are like, but we need to consume. Like we need to eat. Like teacher, you need to eat. Like we all gotta, we all gotta eat. We gotta consume. We gotta take care of ourselves. You gotta make sure you're okay. We need to eat something. And Jesus, on the other hand, was never concerned about consuming, but always concerned about contributing always concerned about contributing. What he contributed into the lives of others is what actually nourished him. And that's beyond our ability to comprehend. And so it even goes against our very nature, like the nature of humanity, of who we are as humans. It's like in our world today, just think about this. Like a lot of times we say, well, man, we're, we're just good people. And I've said many times at this church, we're not good people. The heart is deceitful and wicked. That's our natural, that's our natural heart posture, deceitful and wicked, a heart that's not been regenerated by Jesus. That's, that's, that's our natural posture. We are selfish. Even the good things we do in life, if you're really honest with yourself, even the good things you do, a lot of times you could realize, man, it's about perception management. It's about people seeing me a certain way. It's about being uh, looked at in this way. It's really selfish at its core. And so we're, we're not just good people. We're actually sinful people that need a savior. We're simple people that need a savior. We, we are, are by nature, are self-centered and selfish. And that's why we need to be regenerated. But if you don't believe me, uh, just ask yourself this. Do you ever have to teach a child to be selfish? I got three kids. I got a seven-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I promise you, I've never sat down and been like, okay, I'm gonna give you selfish lessons today. I'm gonna give you a toy and then I'm gonna take it back because I gave it to you. And you're just going to go mine at the top of your lungs. Okay. And we're going to do this back and forth until you share with your brother. It's going to be great. No, you don't have to teach your kids these things. Kids naturally know this. They, they're selfish. They want, they're like, I'm not sharing with him. I'm not giving dad some of my fries, but that's dad tax. That's life. And that they just got to deal with it. Right. But it's like, they, they're naturally selfish. Like you never have to teach a two-year-old how to be Selfish. By nature, we are self-centered and we are selfish in every single way. And Jesus is saying, I have a higher calling than to live for myself. I have a higher calling. I want to contribute to the lives of others. And what's interesting to me is that the world in the last 30, 40, 50 years has become increasingly more consumeristic. Like in the last 30, 40, 50 years, we've seen the world just kind of on this trend towards consumerism. If you don't believe me, look at social media, look at advertising, look at everything around you. And, and, and live. It. I was doing some research. Let me just share an illustration with you that I think will help you. You know, back in the day in like the 50s and 60s, like, listen, you just got a cheeseburger when you went to McDonald's, okay? Like when you walked into McDonald's in the 60s and you ordered a cheeseburger, you got meat, cheese, bun, lettuce, two pickles, right, some tomatoes, and a little bit of like ketchup and mustard. And that's what you got. There's no substitutions, okay? You can't be like, can you hold the pickles? And can we actually add special sauce and maybe a double patty? No, that doesn't come that way. There's no substitutions, okay? When you go to McDonald's, you order a burger and you get a burger, that's just what happened. Then all of a sudden, a competitor of McDonald's came and changed the game forever. And that competitor was Burger King, the year was 1973. And Burger King came out with a slogan that said this, have it your way, have it your way. Burger King, if you walked in and order a burger, they're like, hey, substitutions, they don't bother us. No pickles, no mustard, no fuss. Like, come on in, like walk in. And what do you want? You want extra sauce? You want extra onions? You don't want p- pickles? You don't want tomatoes? They're like, come and have it your way. You can do whatever you want. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, hold the sauce. Like whatever you want to do, have it your way. Suddenly you were in control. At that time, you couldn't have done that. McDonald's, you walk in, it's like, if it's got four pickles and you don't like pickles, fam, you're peeling them off one by one by yourself. Okay, like the good old days. You're just peeling these pickles off. But all of a sudden Burger King, you were in charge and now the customer became king. And all of a sudden we started to see a shift over these next few years that consumerism became more and more, and more. Why? Because they're feeding into the selfish and indulgent nature that all of us have on the inside of us. And so I heard one speaker say it like this. He said this, a company will promote their quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, savings, performance, experience, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable price, money back guarantee, free installation, free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trials, free parking, no cash, no problem, no kidding, no fuss, no must, no risk, no obligation, no red tape, no down payment, no entry fee, no hidden fees, no purchase necessary. No one will call you, no payments until September. And don't forget to pick up your free gift on your way out the door. Why? Because you're important to us, right? It's, it's this consumeristic mindset that companies realize if we play into the selfish nature of man, we can sell them more things. We can make more money and profit off your selfishness. And so we see that over and over and over again where they play to our our idea of selfishness, and we just love it. The have it your way right now, microwave, prefab, I get it right now, I don't have to wait. Amazon Prime, two-day shipping, it's at your door. They played into it, into the selfish nature of man. Have it your way. And all of a sudden we become a consumer-minded society that's like, it's all about me, it's all about what I want, it's all about what I have, have it my way way and tragically friends that consumer mindset has bled over into the local church and over the last 30 40 50 years we have watched society become more consumeristic and unfortunately we watched the church go up into the right on that trend as well and the church became more about coming and sitting in a building and hearing a message and then walking out the door and doing nothing with it and it became about receiving and it became about us and not about the world. If you even notice, like you'll encounter people, I don't know if you ever heard someone say this, well, we're just, we're church shopping. Anyone ever, maybe you said that. I'm not calling you out. Well, I am, I am, okay? Sue <laughs> me, no, okay. No, but listen, so, so listen, church shopping just in and of itself. Listen to the language there. We're shopping for a church. We're looking for a church. And you'll hear this all the time. Like, it's like, well, I've just, we've been to 79 churches in the community and we just can't seem to find one that what? That meets our needs. We can't seem to find one that fits our preferences. We can't seem to find one that just that is everything we want. We see this again and again and again. And you may have heard this, but I hear that all the time. And this is incredibly common. We're looking for a church, but we just can't find one that meets our needs. And before I go on here, let me tell you, I'm not saying it's wrong in a season of transition moving to a new place or just a new season of life and and maybe something happened to your church or whatever and there's transition happening. I'm not saying it's wrong to visit other churches, but I am saying it is wrong to choose one based on your preferences. It is wrong to choose one based on your needs. You gotta listen to the Holy Spirit and what God would say where he is assigning your family. Why? Because you don't exist to go to the church and the church to meet your needs. You exist to be a blessing with your gifts to that local body and build a church. You should look for a church that has a need and say, I got a gift, let me fill it and let me plant myself in the house of the Lord so that I may flourish and produce fruit, not for yourself, but for your neighbor for the people in your lives around you. And so so last week we talked about the state of the church at large. We talked about the global church. We talked about the fact we're taking ground, that there's 40 million more Christians this year than last year, that there's going to be 3.5 billion Christians by the year 2050, that we're seeing God do amazing things. And even if it looks like the church in the US may be in decline, I believe that the rest of the church obviously is in a revival. And we see it in South America and we see it even in the Middle East and in China and underground churches. We're seeing God do amazing things things across the planet and we can be a part of the solution in America and I believe our church can be a part of the revival that I believe will take place over the next 10, 20, 30 years in the United States but we talked about the global church we talked about some of our values and what we see for the future of our church and so today what I want to talk about is something that we aren't as a church and something that we are something that we aren't and something that we are this is one of our values if you're taking notes write this down we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. By the way, I love hearing those kids. Come on. Are you, are you thankful that we got people pouring into the next generation in the next room over? Come on, that's awesome. I am never mad about hearing kids have fun. Come on, while they learn the Bible. See, here's the reality. Oh, come on, man, they're having a good time. I mean, we got, we're going we're gonna to get them in the next worship song. We'll be louder. But here's the reality. We are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. I want you to say that with me. We are not spiritual what? We are spiritual contributors. That is who we are at Oasis City. Why? Because we understand that the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. That is who we are. And and so for us, we have to understand this statement. It it changes everything when we fully grasp this reality that, hey, we're not spiritual consumers. We're spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. Our food is something that other people just don't understand. They don't understand that it's helping others, serving others, pouring out out our lives. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And so we're here in this moment, and I just want you to hear me. We are not consumers. And if you just want to consume, I'm telling you, this ain't the place for it. This is the place where we're going to challenge you to grow. We're going to challenge you to use your gifts. We're going to challenge you to contribute. The church does not exist for us. But if you're a follower of Jesus and we recognize that we are the church and we exist to be the light in the world and to be a share and, and shed the love, or, or, or expose the love of Jesus to, to lost people all over this city and this region and this county, we have to understand that, that we're all gonna be somewhere on this scale and we have to challenge ourselves to grow. And so I'm gonna have it thrown up on the screen behind me. I want you to rate yourself here. You're gonna look here. On this far left side, you're gonna see in just a moment uh, something that says consumer and something that says contributor on a scale of one to 10. So I want you to, if you've got your journal, your notepad, I want you to just scribble this down. Write, on a, write, write a scale of 1 to 10. Write on one side on one consumer. And on the other side on 10, I want you to write contributor. Now, I'm letting you know right now, if you're already circling 10, unless you died for the sins of the world and rose again, you are not a 10. Do not write 10, okay? I'm telling you now, look at your neighbor and say, humble me, okay? Because you're not a 10, okay? Don't circle at ten, But before you circle your number, before you write down on your iPhone, you, you write your number down, let me just help you figure this out. So this won't apply to my, my online people right now, okay? Because y'all should be in the room anyways. We miss you. Come in here. McCall's great, but the room's better. I promise you, okay? But, but here's the deal. For those of you in the physical room this morning, for those of you that are here, if you walked in, And you got yourself a coffee and you you dropped your kids off at the Oasis Kids Check-In and you dropped one little one off at Littles and another one off at Big's to a, a dream teamer there that's discipling your children and having fun with them in the other room. And then you came in and you sat down, but you've never given, you don't serve, you're not involved. I'm letting you know you might be a consumer. If you walked in here and you snagged the free coffee or a cold brew or, or water that's got sliced up fruit in it. Right. And you got your free drink and you sat in a chair that you didn't pay for in a building that you didn't pay for. And, and you've never given, you've never served. You never given back. You might be a consumer if you walked in here and that's you I'm letting, you know, you're probably a two or a three on the scale, not a one cause one's the devil. We're going to give you a little grace. Okay. <laughs> but you're probably a two or a three. And so, you can go ahead and circle that. and But hey, maybe let's just, and I'm not trying to be mean, guys. I'm really just trying to call it what it is. Like you've received a lot and you've never never given anything back. But let's just say you've come to a small group. Maybe you went on like a micro mission trip, right? For like a week and you took a bunch of selfies with people and you're like, yeah, I'm awesome. And you did your little mission trip and maybe you've given a couple times when like the the environment was like, you're moved by the message, you're inspired. And so you gave a little bit a couple times, financially contributed. And and maybe you're like, man, I've thought about serving. Uh, I did like help with a spill one time in the lobby and that that was, I got the napkin and, you know, I'm letting you know, you're probably like a four or a five. Okay. you're somewhere in between and some of you you're here anytime the doors open you're here early you serve in multiple areas. Maybe you serve on the kids team one week and you serve at the, at the front with greeting and you're maybe you're in the parking lot out in the rain, helping people get covered and making sure they make it inside. And then you're, you're helping out with baptisms when we have events and you're here just saying, Hey, anything you need and you're, you're caring for people. You're covering people. Hey, you can't, I can't make it to my kids shift next week. Can, can you help? Can you come and, and cover my volunteer slot? It's like, absolutely. I'll cover. And you're the first person you're, you you give regularly. You give to the vision of the house to see the ball move down the field. So people will be reached for Jesus and boy, Come on, you are a person that says, hey, I am here to serve. You're an eight or a nine. Just be honest with yourself, you are. You're an eight or a nine. Circle an eight or circle a nine. You're serving in multiple places. You're involved. You're seriously all in. Come on, you even got the church merch at the gym, right? Just so people ask you about Oasis City, you're like, what's Till looks like heaven? You're like, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my church. And you are that all in. Come on, you are an Eight or a nine. So let's all right now just look down at your phone, look down at your notes, circle a number, circle a number, write it down. Where are you on a scale of one to 10 from consumer to contributor? Write down where you're at. And I would say this, if you wrote down or circled a six or below, this message is designed specifically for you. If you're a six or below, this message is for you. And I believe, I really believe that God wants to stir something greater in your life. And I'm gonna give you two easy to remember points that you can put in your pocket, take home and apply immediately about your gifts in God's church. And the first one if you taking notes is this. Number one, God calls us to serve in his church. Somebody say in his church, in. in his church. And I want all of us that are followers of Jesus to understand this, that God would desire that all of us would serve in his church, that we would all be a part of the body, that we'd realize that God has called you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm letting you know you're gifted, you're called, and you're set apart to use your gifts to glorify God. That, that is every single person in this room. You might be saying, I don't know that I'm gifted. I don't know. You are. God made you. God designed you. You're gifted, you're called, you're anointed, you're set apart to do something specific. And the challenge that we have today is that in our world, again, a lot of people just don't really understand even what the church is. Like, that's the problem that we face is people are like, well, what even is the church? Like, I think a lot of us will will say things like this and I wanna be very clear about it because people will say, well, the church is, it's the building. Friends, God never intended church to be a building. God always intended church to be a people. You want to know what the church is? Look to your left and to your right to your neighbors. That's the church. The church isn't 10481 West Fairview Avenue in Boise, Idaho, 73804. Like, that ain't us, 83704. Look at that, dyslexic, just like whoop. But, but here's the deal. This building is not the church. Your neighbors, your friends, the people around you, that is the church. Guess what? When we leave this place, you're still the church. When you go to lunch today, you're the church. When you walk into work on Monday morning, you're the church. When you go to your kid's soccer game, you're the church. When you show up at BSU, you're the church. Friends, you're the church no matter where you go. Now this building is a blessing, but this isn't the church. This isn't the church. And we'll say things innocently, like we're like, well, I'm going to church this weekend. And I'm like, I'm not saying that's wrong. You can say things like that. I'm going to church this weekend. But what I'm saying is if we let that, that, that sentence become our belief, that's when it becomes a problem because we're not just going to church. We are the church. Yes, we can say that. So don't be like, well, what am I supposed to say? I'm going to the people. I'm going to the people this week. I'm going to the gathering. I'm going to the ecclesia this week, the gathering of the, no, but... You can say it, I'm just letting you know, the church is not a building. We are the church and we are here for the world. And just a little history as to like why this changed, because many people will say, well like, how did that even like, how did that concept even like conceptually form in people's minds? Like this idea of the church being a building or a cathedral or this uh, great kind of architecture. Why do we think about those and think church? Well, Well, here's the thing, you may not recognize this, but churches didn't even own buildings. Like churches didn't even own land. They couldn't even really gather publicly until 313 AD. So really, it wasn't until the fourth century after the birth of Christ that we actually could own land and own buildings. Like it just wasn't a thing. It wasn't until Constantine passed a law legalizing Christianity before 1313, literally before the the fourth century, churches couldn't own land. They didn't have buildings. It was illegal to even publicly gather so they couldn't even come together to do anything like that. And listen, I'm not saying that it's wrong because like that's really cool that there wasn't a church building so no one really thought of the building that way. They just realized we are the church. But I'm not saying it's wrong. I think it's a really good thing that churches can own land. I think it's a really good thing we can have property. I think it's a really good thing that we can have a place that we can come together and congregate and worship and train and deploy people to our city and have a place to facilitate men a and a place to expand our footprint and the kingdom of God in a city. I think it's a good thing, but it's a tool. This is not the church. We're the church. This building is a tool. Whatever buildings God gives to us is a tool. And so we have to realize before people, before that time, people would have never called a building, the church. It was totally and completely foreign to them. And so we do not technically go to church. We technically are the church and we just happen to go to a building to meet in. So Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, six through eight, and this helps us see how God wants us to use our gifts in the church. Go there with me. Romans chapter 12, six through eight. In verse six, it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If the gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And so Paul here lists these seven gifts, right? And there's many more than just these gifts. But Paul lists these gifts, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, right, kindness. Like he, he lists these seven different gifts here. And you may not know that you're gifted, but you are particularly gifted in a specific in a certain way. And you may not know what they are, but I would say this, like everyday life situations will really help you realize uh, just how you're gifted. Like when you just think about an everyday life situation, here's one for you. Let's say that someone's working on a shed in their backyard and let's just say it's a big open backyard, see-through fences, you know, I'm talking about with like the planks, right? And you're watching somebody and your neighbor's just like out there cranking away on the shed, got a nail and smashes their thumb, just crushes it. If your first thought is like running over, are you okay? Let me get you a Band-Aid. Let me get you an ice pack. Like you might have the gift of mercy and helps, right? If you're like, you dumb, you might have the gift of prophecy, okay? (laughs) Like you're just like, that was stupid. You shouldn't have done that. You should have been more wise. Okay, you might have the gift of prophecy. But if you're like, hey, let me actually show you a better way. You see that little slot on top of the hammer? That's to set the nail. And then watch this. Here's a great way that you know you can hit every single time. Friend, you might be a teacher. You might have a teaching gift on your life. If you're someone that's like, hey, you're clearly not equipped for this, but let me get a team together. Hey, I know a contractor, I know a construction guy, landscaping, come on crew, let's get together. Friend, you might be a leader. You might have a gift of leadership on your life. And so we have to realize there's so many different ways. Maybe you're just the person who's like, you just kind of walk up to them with their finger throbbing and you're just like, man, I'm sorry that happened to you, but man, this shed looks so good. You're doing such an amazing job. I, th- honestly, I would buy this shed if you were selling it. You are an incredibly gifted hammerer. You're so good at this. Friend, you might be an encourager, okay? You might have the gift of encouragement but I could go on and on with this illustration, but all I'm saying is I pray you would take your next step. Text the connect, right? uh, That number on the screen, even if you guys would throw it up for just a second, like text that number. We wanna help you see your gifts and help you step into what God has called you to, because let me tell you something, you are gifted not for yourself, you're gifted for other people. You're gifted to serve. You're gifted to part your lives for others. That encouragement gift, that help gift, that mercy gift, that hospitality gift, whatever it is, it's for other people. And I want you to grow into all that God has for you. And some of you, you can sing and you can play instruments. You're like, man, really, that's just for me and Jesus. Or maybe it's just not even for you and Jesus. Maybe it's for you and, I don't know, you and you. And so you would say, that's not really something I would do, but let me just tell you something. That gift is for the church. Use that gift. Look at these people up here using their gifts. They're coming up here and they're volunteering their time. They're showing up on Thursday nights. They're practicing and becoming excellent, not just for you, but for the Lord. And so use your gifts so other people can enter into worship and into a deeper place of intimacy with God and that God will be glorified together as we sing and worship and praise and give him what he deserves. I'm letting you know, you have piano playing, that guitar, that singing ability. It's not for you. It's not to lull by your kids to sleep. It's for the church. It's so that we would worship God together through your gifts. And some of you, I just want you to know God wants you to use your gifts in the church. And in fact, I want to tell you about four people that are using their gifts in the church right now. Uh, Curtis Walker, he's in uh, the kit. So actually, he's probably the one making all them scream over there and yelling, woo, right? Curtis is awesome. Yeah. Curtis is, is an amazing leader. Curtis is a big man, okay? He's like six foot four. He's a stocky, like he's a big boy, right? He's, he's taller than me, all right? And he's out there in front of these little kids, dancing, worshiping, singing, lifting his hands, teaching these kids. Come on, he's modeling what it looks like to worship. Why? Because he's humble. And then in that same breath, he's going up to team members saying, oh my gosh, Angela, you crushed it with that small group. Man, the way you lead these children is amazing. And he's going up and he's being an encourager. Why? Because he has the gift of leadership and encouragement on his life. And he's humble. He's humble. And so I've watched him step in and jump in. It's been so cool. Even uh, Chase, who's on the cameras right here. Y'all give it up for Chase right here in the room. Chase and his wife, Karina, just recently got baptized, actually, last weekend. It was awesome. <laughs> So special, so cool. But Chase and I go to the same barbershop. That's actually where we first met and we're trying to get that whole barbershop saved. Come on, somebody, come on. They're gonna show up to church. We we love our barbers. We tip well, don't we Chase, right? You tip well, I hope so. Okay, and and so here's the deal. Chase and Karina, Karina's walking around right now taking pictures, Chase is on the main camera, so everyone online, it's production team is that entire back of the room right there. All of your eyes are facing this way, but all of these eyes back here, you see, hey, wave at us production team, all y'all back there, wave at us. They're making it happen. But they're serving behind the scenes where nobody sees. Nobody but God, God sees what they do. God honors those, those who are the greatest in camp, those who, Serve those who serve. And so they're in the back serving. And, and here's the thing. Chase is not a guy who's just like, let me just serve in church. He's a guy who's like helping it. He's like, he's the one getting baptized. And he's like, hey, can I carry some coolers? Can I help you out? Can I help set this up? Can I carry food? Can I, can I provide something? That's who Chase is. Why? He's a spiritual contributor, not a consumer. Another person I want to tell you about is Sherry. Uh, some of you have probably met Miss Sherry in the front. She's awesome. <laughs> Miss Sherry is our prayer team coordinator. Now, Miss Sherry makes sure that you guys are being prayed for. This room is being prayed for, right? She, like Miss Sherry makes sure that everything that's happening in the room is, is like being prayed for. That there's communion being uh, distributed when necessary. But at the same time, she's probably the first person you met up there. She's hugging your neck. She's inviting you over for Bible study or for a dinner at her house. Why? Because she has a gift of hospitality, and because she's a gift of serving and helps. That's who Miss Sherry is. She's one of the most friendly faces you will meet at our church. Rachel LaForge, another person that goes to our church. Uh, she she serves in the coffee area. She serves in the hospitality in the front, but know what else. She doesn't just serve here. She actually spends her time at BSU, discipling students, answering questions, starting Bible studies, sharing her faith so that students in the prime years of their lives, when they could be going partying, going the other direction, running through, just kind of squandering their life. She's like, hey, there's a better way. And she's pouring out her life using the gift of evangelism. It's awesome. Now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why are these people so different? Like, why are they so fired up? Why are they like, man, rocking the church merch, doing the thing? Here's why. Because they understand that they don't go to church. They are the church. They understand this principle. They don't go to church. They are the church. They're not spiritual consumers. They're spiritual contributors. They understand that God has called them and anointed them to make a difference here in this city and here in this region and honestly here in this house. And so I just want to say this, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, God has given you gifts and you are meant to use them. You're meant to use them. God wants every single person to use their gifts because he has called you to do something. And listen, if you're not doing anything, then there's something that God wants done that's not being done because you haven't stepped into your purpose yet. God has a call on your life. God has things he wants you to do, but if you don't step in and do them, there's things that aren't happening that God wants done. And I wanna call you and encourage you as as a brother in faith to just say, hey, let's step up together. Let's do this. Let's, Let's use our gifts to serve the body because God wants his church Full of people that don't say, hey, what about me? Have it my way, Christians. But how can I serve your will, not my way, Christians? That is what God is looking for. And so God has called you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to use your gifts to make a difference in the church. So thought number one, God calls you to serve in his church. Thought number two, God calls you to serve as his church, as his church. And, and this is so important because, listen, it's important to serve in his church, but it's really, really important that you serve as his church in the world. And part of serving as the church in the world is serving in his church. Because as we build the church, the church is the vehicle, the mechanism that God would use to accomplish his purposes on the earth. And so we have to serve in the church if we're gonna serve as the church. And we have to realize that these two ideas are interconnected. This is what Jesus is saying in Matthew five, fourteen through 16. Jesus says to those who are followers of Jesus, his disciples, he says, "'You are the light of the world.'" Like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see why. So that everyone would praise me? No. So that everyone would praise your heavenly father. Let your light shine in all the world that they may see your good deeds, and that they may be committed to Christ, they may be seen as different, that they may be seen as people that care for people in a lost, hurting, broken world, that they may see that we're engaged, that we listen, that we care, that we are people that are living out our faith, that they may see our good deeds and what? Glorify God in heaven. That is why we do it. Now, make no mistake, friends. I want to be clear here. We're not saved by our good works. You know that, right? We're not saved by good works, by good things, by serving, by any of this. We're not saved by that. But you better believe we're saved for it. Like you better believe we're saved for these things. That God has saved us from wrath, but then he saves us for making good deeds that would point and glorify not us, but God. That people would see something different on our lives and that it would glorify God. We are saved to be reflections of this light, the light of the world, that we would do what Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, that we would be reflections of God. And so we have to ask ourselves. and I would challenge you to ask yourself, in the last seven days, in the last seven days, have you reflected Christ? Have you reflected the light of the world? Would people look at your life and see a visible, noticeable difference in you and the world? Or would they think that you're just like one of them? You're just like everybody else. Would people look at your life and know you're a Christian by the way you live, even by what you say? Are you sharing your faith? Are you vocal? Are you actually going out and doing the things? Are you living by the word? Are you, are you living according to what scripture says? Is your life any different? Are you, are you giving? Are you serving? Are you involved? Are you influencing for Jesus? Like what are you doing? Are you being engaged in the lives of people around you or is it just Jesus followers on Sunday? Who are you engaged with? And let me just encourage you today, let them see. Let them see your good works. Let them hear you share your faith. Shine, why? So that God would be glorified, so that they would ask you, hey, what's different about you? What makes you tick? How come you care about me? I don't understand, why are you so involved? Why do you wanna help me? Why do you wanna cover for me? Why do you wanna walk with me? Why, why do you care so much? And you could say, because I wanna glorify my Father in heaven and I want you to know him too. And you can create an opportunity to share the gospel right there with them. And I know it's kind of intimidating to share the gospel. I know when I said that last week, some of y'all went Ugh. like, I gotta talk about my faith. Yes. And let me just give you, can I help you and just give you some really easy language to get into that conversation? Because getting into that conversation is half the battle, right? You're like, how do I like, just like awkwardly, like, can I tell you about my Lord's No, let me just walk you through, okay? Don't do the door knock thing, all right? We're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna help you. All right. Some of y'all raised Mormon. You're just like, you know, but let me just, <laughs> let me, let me just help you. All right. Praise God for freedom. Okay. Let me help you. When it comes to sharing your faith, this is an easy way to enter a conversation. Ask them if they have a faith. You don't have to like go straight in. Be gentle, be soft. Watch this. Hey, hey, do you have a faith? Well, you know, I believe in a divine flow a power. It's like, cool, man, that's the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give you some language and help you, okay? It's like, yeah, yeah. I believe in like, um, yeah, I believe in like something greater than me. It's like, okay, that's a start. Okay, that's good, you know? And then you ask him a question like this. You would say, hey, let me just say this. If you were to stand before God and and he said, why should I let you in? What would you say? And, And just hear the response. And if they say it's because I'm, a good person. I was generous. I've done this. I've done that. Anything about me and what I've done, if they say anything like that, boom, opportunity to share the gospel. Another way you could do it is this. Hey, on, if you were to stand uh, before God, and this, let's just say on a scale of one to ten, zero being like, I know I'm going to hell, 10 being I know I'm going to heaven, where would you land? And most people, a lot of times, would say things like this. Well, I'm a six uh, because Um, I don't really believe in him, so maybe he wouldn't want me to come in, Um, but um, a six or a seven, because I'm a good person, I'm generous, I do this, I'm pretty kind, like I try to, I volunteer at the food bank every now and then, I do this, and they give you all these examples, and then you look at them and say this, what if I told you you could be a 10 today? What if I told you that you could leave this conversation and know that you know that you're gonna be in heaven with God forever? And it boom, easy on ramp to share the gospel of Jesus with them that, hey, God loved you so much, friend. That he sent his only son that to die on a cross in your place, to pay the payment that you deserve to pay. Romans 6.23 says the wage of sin is death. That's what we had to pay. But Jesus said he loved you enough that he would take that that payment, he'd pay it for you. He'd go to the cross and die in your place and take what you deserve so we could get what he deserved, which is righteousness, holiness, eternal life with Jesus, that he would take on our defilement, our, our our brokenness, our disgrace, and give us healing and purity and wholeness and a relationship with God forever, restored what it was originally intended to be? What if I told you that you could believe right now and receive salvation, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you? That's how you preach the gospel. That's how you start a conversation. It's way less complicated than we want to make it. It's way less weird when you start to do it every day. You know why it feels weird to you? Because you don't do it. But when you learn to have these conversations and you realize this is the most important conversation you'll ever have with somebody, it becomes a normal, natural flow where every opportunity you look for an open door to share the gospel. Hey, can I tell you about someone that loved you? Like people walking through brokenness, people walking through anything, uh, depression, anxiety, divorce, you can walk in their brokenness and talk about someone that walked through suffering. And you can share the good news of the gospel. Friends, we are called to reflect, to be the light of the world. And we're we're called not to just serve the church. We're called to serve in the church, but we're called to serve as the church in the world. And I want to tell you about three people in our church right now that are not just serving in the church, but they serve as the church. And and I'm going to tell you about a couple of them. Jackie uh, has a, a, so Jackie has a ministry, uh, not a ministry, a shop called Sought and Found. And so Jackie goes to our church, she serves in our First Impressions and hospitality area, but she has a, a boutique and it really is, I say it's not a ministry, it is a ministry. Sought and Found is a boutique that sells very cute clothes. So ladies, go go check it out. Husbands, I'm sorry about your pocketbook, go for it. And I'm, I'm giving you permission, ladies, you know, just say pastor said, right? And so you can go to Sought and Found, get yourself some cute clothes. They got little Bibles, they got all kinds of things. But here's the deal, that is a resource hub for churches in our community. Jackie and her team, they're in there sharing the gospel. They treat it like a local mission where they're going in and they're letting people know about different churches in they area. Hey, oh, you live in Eagle? Let me tell you about two or three good churches at Eagle, you gotta check out. Hey, hey, you, you don't know Jesus? Let me tell you about my savior. Let me tell you about what he did in my life. And they use it as a ministry opportunity and a resource hub to plug churches, church events. Come on, when we launched, they were sharing our stuff saying, hey, there's a new church launching. You guys should be a part of it. That's who they are. Jackie knows that she is a spiritual contributor. Amber, who goes to our church, she has an app called Vets. And so her and her team are building an app and and I talked to her and it's so cool to hear her talk about how God has just given her the idea for the app and how God has, and she's built the company uh, alongside her her, her friend and her partner on this idea of biblical principles and integrity and honesty. And they have solved a really cool issue with onboarding processes for hiring for, for mid and large size companies. And they're using biblical principles to build this business. Come on, how many know we need godly businesses in our community? And I'm watching these people be spiritual contributors. My friends, Michael and Judy, I just had dinner with them the other night and got to spend some time with them. They recently started checking out Oasis and, and, and just hearing their hearts. And they literally have spent the last several, several, several years of their lives going after helping women be rescued from sex trafficking across the world with A21. They have spent time investing into the next generation, hearing their heart for young couples and watching them as they walk with couples. Uh, They were telling us just about all the couples that they've led and and walked through premarital counseling. And it's so cool to see people that are so invested in watching the next generation lead healthy marriages and healthy families and healthy homes. And then, come on. To see people that have given their lives to the next generation, to see people that have given their lives to rescuing women out of sex trafficking. Come on, they decided in their 30s, they told us that they were in their 30s when they found the Lord. So in their 30s, friends, they found Jesus and decided as a couple, we wanna live sold out for Christ. We wanna live our lives serving Jesus. And so they've done that, served their life, given their lives to serve Jesus because why? They are spiritual contributors here to meet not their needs, but the needs of the world. And so I believe with all my heart, friends, that the way we're doing things right now in the world is messed up. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I believe the way we're doing things is messed up. I believe that the government is not the best equipped organization to handle the needs of the world. I don't think the government's the best equipped to do a lot, (laughs) but here's the reality. The local church is The local church is the best equipped organization, organism in the world to meet the needs of the world. I don't know if you knew this, but the church for hundreds, even thousands of years has been leading the way and being the leading helping hand when it comes to meeting the needs of the world. And if you don't believe me, listen, in the development and the betterment of society, it's been the local church and the global church that's paved the way for society as you and I know it today. And I can prove it to you. You know who created the concept of hospitals as we know it? Christians. Christians. Adoption and foster care systems. Christians. A middle-class workforce. Christians. A higher view of sexuality and marriage. Christians. Women's rights. Christians. Better education. Christians. Artwork, music, literature. Predominantly devoted Christians. America. Christians. Society as you and I know it, Christians. More charity work than any other group or any other religion in the world. More efforts towards the abolishment of slavery than any other party, group, or religion. All from people stepping into their God-ordained calling to help people walk into freedom. Christians. Only recently since portions of the church have moved towards this consumeristic mindset. Have we seen a shift where all of a sudden uh, we have to see the world sounding an alarm, begging for help and governments having to step in because the church didn't step up. We have become so consumeristic, so self-focused, so come in for 90 minutes on a Sunday and let it not inform our Monday morning that the government has stepped in to try to meet needs that they were never meant to meet, that the church was always meant to meet. Why? Because we actually have an answer. We don't just meet the need. We give them the answer. And the answer is a savior named Jesus that even if they experience suffering on this earth, it's only on this earth. And that they can anchor their soul on something that goes deeper and beyond just a a, a helping handout that we say, hey, we actually can give you a hand up and we can actually help you step in to something that will be an eternal anchor for your soul. That no matter what your life looks like here, that you have a savior that gave himself up for you, that you would experience the love of God, the forgiveness of your sins and the restoration, regeneration of your soul. But when the church sees itself as God's calling to be spiritual contributors, people can look on and say, man, I don't actually really understand what they believe in, but man, they sure believe it. Man, whatever they believe in, it's gotta be real because man, they're committed to it. And friends, that may be enough of an open door for bold people like you and I to step in and actually share our faith vocally with them after we serve them. Because sometimes, in order to like be able to share your faith vocally, you have to serve locally. And I'm sorry to be rhymy, but it's reality. You have to serve locally, you have to serve their lives, serve, be a part of their lives, open doors, be that person that's just so generous, so kind, be the person that's above and beyond, why? Because it plants a seed in their hearts that you can then water with the, with the gospel and see fruit in their lives of them come to know Jesus. And we may not see it every single time. I know it's, it's like, man, sometimes discouraging when someone doesn't accept Jesus right away. But Paul, like it's very clear, like one waters one plants, one waters, but who brings the increase? The Lord. The Lord brings the increase. And so sometimes we see it, but sometimes we don't. But let's plant those seeds. I have a vision for a church, friends, that's it's like, it's greater than what we see today. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I am thrilled with what God has done here. This is exciting. I look around, I look at your faces, I look at the life change, I watch the baptisms, 29 people declaring their faith in Jesus. I'm so excited, but I have a vision that's greater than what we see today. I have a vision for a church that loves others more than we've been loved. I have a vision for a church that serves people more than we've been served. I have a vision for a church that gives more than we've received. I have a vision for a group of people so overwhelmed with the love of God that we accept them right where they are and we love them where they are, but we love them enough to call them higher and to say, God has a greater plan for your life than what you, the way you're living right now. Like I have a vision for a church that will point them to Jesus who will forgive them, heal them, restore them, and set them free. I have a vision for a church where every single person, the body of Christ, sees themselves as a part of the body, uses their gifts to serve, and we see every single person in our church engaged, not just serving in the church, but serving as the church, in the world, in the workplace, on soccer teams, wherever you are with your kids, with your family, with your roommates, with your friends, that we'd really see it that we will be a church that says, man, I cannot, after all guns that God has done for me, simply be a consumer. After everything God's poured out for me, I can't just sit back and consume. I have to contribute. There is something greater on my life. I have a food that people don't understand. And what fills me is to do the work of God. And so I have a vision for a group of people that don't just serve in the church, but they serve as the church, in the community, wherever they are. And even if people don't, around us don't believe in Jesus, they would look and see what God's doing in our lives. And they would look at the way that we live and they would say, what is different about you? And we'd have a church that lives this way, that if all of a sudden we, we disappeared, if, if, if I wasn't here and you weren't here and you weren't at your jobs and you didn't live in your neighborhood, that your neighbors, your coworkers, they would actually miss you because they'd be in like, they were so helpful. They were so kind, they were so loving. They always lent an listening ear. Man, she was always praying for me, that if we weren't here, our city would actually miss us. That's the vision I have for our church, friends. Come on, that's how Boise is gonna look like heaven. And so I want you to be aware of a couple things. We have a new opportunity for you to use your gifts. Because the reality is, if you look around right now, this room is really full. There is not a lot of room for other people to come and experience the life change, the transformation that happens through a relationship with Jesus. So starting on September 10th, we're moving to three services to create room for people, to create opportunity for people, to use their gifts, to grow. And so I'm letting you know right now, service times are changing. We're gonna have a service at 9.15, a service at 11 and a service at 1245. Two things you need to know. Yes, we're creating the 1245 so that more people in our community would come to know Jesus. So I'm asking you to be an inviter. I'm asking you to be a part of launching this service. But I'm not just making this for lost people. I'm making this service so that you would step into the fullness of your calling and your gifts and use your gifts to contribute to helping other people come to know Jesus. I'm I'm, I'm trying to help you guys step into what God has called you to step into, which is to use your gifts to serve the body. We're gonna need people on the kids team that pour into the next generation, that like Curtis, dance and laugh and have fun and lead small groups. We're going to need people like Miss Sherry who's at the front door hugging people, letting them know that even in their brokenness they're loved. Even in their brokenness that someone will walk alongside them through it. We need people that stand at the door and do our door hooks. We need people to reset the room and straighten chairs and take chairs down and add chairs. People to mix and people to sing and we need people to run cameras and we need people to help us with people taking next steps in their faith and learning and growing and discipleship and leading small groups. Come on, we need people to be the church. Why? So that we can serve in the world. And so I'm letting you know this is an opportunity for us to reach our city with the gospel, but it's also an opportunity for you to step fully into what God has called you to do. So we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask God to help us do that. But I would ask you, would you please consider texting that number, that that connect number and just saying, hey, I wanna join the team. I wanna help launch that third service. I wanna pour out my life so that others would come to know Jesus and experience eternal life through what he's done for us on the cross. So I'm gonna pray, Jesus, would you just do that? Would you challenge us? Would you speak to us? Would you help us not to be spiritual consumers, but to be spiritual contributors? God, would you help us to know that we don't exist. for The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. Lord, we want you to use us however you would wanna use us. God, that you would sharpen us. God, that you would make us more like your son, that you would form us into your image, not our image, not our way, but your will and your way be done. God, we trust you. We're launching this service in faith. Would you build this 1245? Would you build it with faithful leaders, men and women of God that are stepping into their calling, stepping into their giftings, using what you've put in them and on their lives to serve and bless others. God, would many people come to know Jesus in that service. Would many people see marriages transformed and turned around. Sons and daughters come back home. Fathers leading their homes in the name of Jesus, God. We pray that people would be set free from addiction, from bondage, from struggle, from alcoholism, from drug addiction, God, in the name of Jesus. We ask for freedom in the name of Jesus. We ask for people that are caught up in bondage of idolatry and putting things before you, God, that they would walk into a real relationship, that they would come to know you and live out a real faith. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray these things. Everybody said? Real quick before we end, I just, I don't wanna leave this space or this room right now without giving you an opportunity. If you're in the room today, maybe you're new, maybe it's your first time, maybe you're coming for a long time, but the Holy Spirit's doing a work in your heart. I want you to know right now, I've shared the gospel a number of times in this message. God loves you so much that he sent His son to die on a cross so that you didn't have to. He paid the price for you so you could be set free. And I'm letting you know that it's a free gift for you and it's available to you right now. You don't have to wait. You can choose right now to put your faith in Jesus, to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he really is who he says he is, that he did what he says he did. And I want you to know that you can choose to have a relationship with Jesus now, to walk away from your old life, to repent of your sin and to turn towards God. And if that's you, I want you to know, everybody here, we, we've all done that. We've all been through this. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. But Romans six twenty three says, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through his son, Christ Jesus. And I want you to know today, that you have an opportunity to say yes to that free gift and to put your faith in Jesus and to start a new life. Second Corinthians 517 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all has been made. If you want to be made new this morning, if you want to turn from your sin and turn towards Jesus, and on the count of three with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd love to know who I'm praying for. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? One, two, three, if that's you. I see you there, it's awesome. I see you in the middle as well. You on the left and you on the left, that's awesome. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. You in the very back, I do see you as well. That's awesome. Hey, you can put your hands down. Thank you so much. I saw you in the back as well there. We're gonna pray a prayer together. There's nothing special or magical about this prayer, just simply a heart declaration saying, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And as a church, we're a family here. We do things together at Oasis. So together, will we all pray this? Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I turn from my sins. I repent and I turn towards you. I ask that you would take my life, do with it whatever you wanna do. Thank you for dying for me, for rising again, so I could be forgiven and healed. From this day forward, I will follow you. Help me and fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. Come on, can we shout amen, amen, stand to your feet with me, stand up, stand to your feet. We're gonna worship and I'm gonna ask you, would you just be reflective during worship? Would you ask the Lord where he would have you serve, how he would have you use your gifts? And would you just really consider stepping into all God has called you to do? So God, I ask right now as we get ready to worship, Lord, would you speak to our hearts and our minds? Lord, we worship you. We love you. You are King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace. You are worthy of it all, God. In Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, pray for you, or give you next steps on your journey of following Jesus. Send us an email to info at oasiscity.church to get connected today.